Anorexia is almost a perfect parallel to gender dysphoria. Because uh, if you have a woman who is dangerously thin, but she thinks she's overweight, you would say to her, honey, uh, I'm sorry, you're not overweight, you're dangerously underweight, you need nutrition, your mind is playing tricks on you, let's get you nutrition and some psychiatry. You would never say, you know, you're right, you are overweight, let me schedule you for liposuction surgery, right? You would say, that would be madness, well, why do we think it's the right thing to do to affirm the delusion that someone has when it comes to gender dysphoria rather than treat the mind, fix the mind with psychiatry, prayer, counseling, maybe certain medications? Why, why do we think the body's wrong? The body's not wrong. The mind is wrong. We believe that you are strong by design and you were made in God's image to have a strong body, mind, and spirit. You're listening to the number one strength and health authority podcast in the world. So let's get ready to unlock your potential and transform your life in today's episode. Hello, ladies and gentlemen. Welcome to another episode of the Strong by Design podcast. Excited to have you listening today and so excited for our return guest who is a regular uh, here on the podcast and uh, a gentleman that I listen to uh, weekly um, and uh, I try not to ever miss an episode of his podcast and his radio show. Uh, he's changing lives and, and doing what he can uh, to make an impact for the kingdom uh, in, in all that he's doing in the world. Uh, before we introduce our special guest, I want to just take a quick moment to say thank you to all all of the return listeners for coming back. Uh, the show this year has really taken off on a, on a whole new level, and it's doing very very well. And that's a thank you to to those of you coming back and sharing uh, our show with friends, with family members, with coworkers, and uh, and for hopefully for leaving a rating and review, which we highly value. Um, those really matter to us. So if you haven't yet done that, but you love the show, um, and uh, we, we would greatly appreciate you hitting a five stars on there or just even a line uh, letting us know what you love about the show or what you'd like to hear uh, from us in the coming months. Uh, we, we, we take requests. <laughs> There's plenty of, uh, of things that we can talk about here on Strong by Design because we really talk about all things body, mind, and spirit, which kind of uh, covers everything, doesn't it? So we thank you in advance for doing that. And if you're a new listener of the show, welcome. Uh, so great to have you. Uh, you couldn't have landed on a better episode uh, with the guest that we have today. Uh, certainly a, a mentor of mine and someone I've learned a lot from over the last, geez, five years or so. I've been uh, listening to him and reading his books. So so honored to have our guest, Mr. Frank Turek, or Dr. Frank Turek. Uh, he, uh, he, he asked me in the very first time we podcasted, he said, you don't have to call me doctor. I said, all right, I won't. Uh, uh, Frank has been on the show three times previously, episode 65, 186, and 238. So go back and listen to those episodes. They are evergreen. There's a lot of, most of them are based on his previous books. Uh, Frank is an award-winning author and co-author of several books, including the one that we're going to be talking about today is brand new expanded third edition, Correct, Not Politically Correct, about same-sex marriage and transgenderism. So obviously very, uh, very much trending with uh, the, the culture that we're, 
we're looking at here today. Frank's also president of crossexamine.org. He's a dynamic speaker, and I've seen him speak uh, live. He travels the country presenting powerful and entertaining evidence for Christianity at churches, at high schools, secular college campuses, and of course online. So uh, for the fourth time, welcome to Strong by Design. Frank, great to see you again, friend. And now we're out of time. Thanks, ladies and gentlemen. See you next time. <laughs> you didn't have to read oh, all that. Man. Come on, let's get into this thing. Hey, Chris. Come on, let's do. Hey, yeah, I what's going get, on? Uh, it's good to see you. When you're when you're worthy of an introduction, you know you got to just kind of just sit through it and take it. Sit through take it. Take the shot. Yeah, big deal. Who cares? That's it. Yeah, I like talking about you. Uh, so. Um, welcome back from uh, your most recent uh, CIA. I uh, hope that went well and you guys enjoyed yourselves out there. Uh, I, I was listening to some of the uh, you know the most recent uh, podcasts that because uh, you gather all of these amazing men and women together and mm-hmm. they, they did some uh, in-person uh, episodes there on uh, that's right on your that's show. Right. What Chris is referring to is something we call the Cross Examine Instructor Academy CIA, where we train people to present evidence for Christianity and how to answer questions of people who may object to Christianity. And uh, so we train a lot of people to do this, and we have some great instructors that help us teach these students. And so on our I Don't Have Enough Faith to Be an Atheist podcast, we've had in recent uh, weeks people like uh, Elisa Childers and Natasha Crane and Brett Kunkel and Greg Kokel and uh, several others we'll have on, Alan Parr. Uh, these are people that tend to defend the faith online and also in person. And uh, so if you go to the I Don't Have Enough Faith to Be an Atheist podcast, you'll hear some of these interviews. Yeah. Oh, they're, they're terrific. I, I love it. Um, and a lot of them are return. You know, g- these are guests and people that you bring back for one on one conversations. Sure. And they're, they're so well um, spoken in their own right. And uh, has a lot, many of them have their own podcasts and shows <laughs> and books and uh, right. and doing their own. Uh, their own conferences and, event, and live events. So uh, w- it's a wonderful group that you've attached yourself to over the years. Um, so we wanted to get into, obviously, the topics uh, that are in your third edition. Uh, what what really, what inspired you, Frank, to come up with this expanded third edition? What was it? When did it hit you like, hmm, I, I got some work to do here and I got to kind of republish this book? Well, in 2008, I wrote a book called Correct, Not Politically Correct, about same-sex marriage. And uh, it was not the biblical case saying that same-sex marriage was not a good idea. It was the natural law, medical, common sense case that said that same-sex marriage was not good for individuals, it was not good for a society. And then I updated it after the Supreme Court imposed same-sex marriage on all the states back in 2015, That was the second edition. But since then, transgenderism has simply exploded into the culture. And so just earlier this year, I said, I need to update, add, expand that book and deal with this issue of transgenderism. And so that's what the third edition is all about. And I didn't even recognize this until recently. I don't know if you know who Dave Rubin is. Uh, Yes, absolutely. Yeah, Dave Rubin. Uh, identifies as a gay and is actually in a same-sex marriage himself, yet he's conservative on a lot of issues. And he invited me on his show a couple of months ago down there in Miami. So I went down and met Dave and we had a conversation about I don't have enough faith to be an atheist. And uh, then I had him on my show and we talked a little bit about the same-sex marriage issue. Um, And 
I never recognized this until he mentioned it. He said, if probably the top lobbying group in the country uh, for the LGBTQ so-called community, and actually it's a fractured community now, we'll get to that maybe in a few minutes. Uh, the top group is called the Human Rights Campaign, HRC, multi-million dollar uh, a year budget. And Ruben said this on my show. He said, you'd have thought that after the human rights campaign uh, succeeded in getting the Supreme Court to impose same-sex marriage on the, t- on the entire country, they'd have just closed their doors and went home and said, we won, right? It's won. accepted now. Everybody recognizes same-sex marriage. You know, we don't even need to lobby anymore. But he said, nope, they couldn't do that because these activists still wanted to get paid. So they just went to the next issue. They went to transgenderism and the money kept coming in. He said it's all money driven for many of these people. They still need a cause. Right. And I I didn't think of that, you know, but he's right when you think about it. I I highly recommend to our audience. Yeah. Checking that episode out. I did listen to it a few weeks back. Uh, It was a a terrific conversation that, you know, he listen, we're all fallen. Um, right. We're, we're all doing things that, uh, you know, aren't, aren't, uh, <laughs> aren't falling in line with Jesus for sure. But, um, he, he is so on point with a lot. I, I nodded my head and agree with nearly everything out of his mouth, which just shows you how much we can come together on things, even when there's a few things that we disagree on. Right. And, um, and the yeah, marriage I, issue is a big issue, obviously. Of sure. course, for him, it's personal. So we didn't really debate right. the issue. He had, right. he had me on his show so I could present my point of view on I don't have enough faith to be an atheist, giving him evidence that Christianity is true. He's not a Christian, so he allowed me to do that. So I invited him on my right. show. I said, why don't you tell me, you know, why you, uh, you, you personally are in a same-sex marriage? You know, what do you think about that? And so he did. I, I didn't push back a whole yeah. bunch because it wouldn't be... It wasn't a debate, you know, it was just a conversation. Right. I want to want to hear his side. But when he brought up that point about transgenderism, I said, yeah, what? that is kind of interesting. You know, why are they still pushing for this? Because there's an internal contradiction here, Chris, a lot of people don't recognize. And it's this. The LGBTQ community is not a community. Why? Because if the T's get their way, that there are no fixed genders, then the L's, the G's and the B's don't exist. Because how can you be lesbian, gay, or bisexual if you don't know what a man is, or you don't know what a woman is, or there isn't such a thing as a man or a woman? You can't. In fact, you couldn't be a heterosexual either, right? If there is no, if there are no fixed genders. And by the way, the feminists aren't happy with the T's either. Why? Because if the T's get their way to try and, and convince everybody there are no fixed genders, then there are no such thing as women. And if there are no such thing as women, there's no such thing as women's rights. This is why Probably mostly political liberals like J.K. Rowling, the, the lady that wrote the whole Harry Potter series, has come out so strongly against this political push to try and say that there are no fixed genders. She's saying you're uh, you're erasing women. And she's right. Yeah. And uh, maybe yeah. we get into this. We can explain that it's contradictory to say there are no fixed genders and yet the, and then try and say there aren't. Well, we'll get into it. But anyway, yeah. well, there, yeah, there, there's a civil the, war the, going on. Yeah, well, that's what happens when you start pushing an agenda that doesn't isn't backed with <laughs> biblically or or with truth. There's no substance there, and it just kind of starts to fall apart right underneath your feet. Well, and I think th- we're think, starting to see that in real time right now. Yeah, think of the word design. This is strong by design. 
the That's reason right. that we know that men were made for women and women were made for men is the word design. We're designed to go together. And a man and a woman can do everything alone except one thing, and that's mm. procreate, right? They, they each have half a procreative system. They're designed to come together and right. to suggest that any other relationship is equal to that is just fallacious. You can just look mm-hmm. at it and say, as well-intended as people might be to say, oh, two men or two women are the same as a man and a woman. They may be well-intended, mm-hmm. but it goes against design. It does. Well, everything, anyone with ears listening to this episode right now, one thing we all have in common is that a man and a woman made us. Mm-hmm. That's right. And, uh, and you can't ever get away from that. Uh, so it's... Uh, it's great. It leads us right into this. Uh, what, what my first question was for you was this real attack that we see on the family, on the traditional family, mm-hmm. on family values, on um, how dangerous this concept even is, basically trying to eradicate a marriage between a man and a woman as like the, the ideal or what, uh, what we hold as probably the, the foundation to our, our communities. And so, uh, would you say that that's this movement that we're seeing is really that's what it's really trying to drive a spear into, and, and just yeah. kill this whole this whole ideology of of marriage between men and women in a family. It seems like that's what they're doing, and some people would di- would dispute that. I really don't care about arguing what their motive is. I want to argue against what they're doing, regardless of their motive, because what they're doing is destructive to civilization, because the foundation of any civilization is a biological two-parent family. In fact, that's why the government's involved in marriage to begin with. It's not to recognize that John loves Mary or Bill loves Steve. They don't care whether you love the other person. The government is not supposed to be in marriage to recognize romantic affinity. In fact, across uh, across the world, uh, uh, probably a majority of marriages have nothing to do with romance. They're all arranged anyway, right? <laughs> um, the right, reason right. a man and a woman come together uh, from a government perspective is to procreate, to perpetuate, and to stabilize society. That's the reason men and women come together. That's why the government recognizes that, or at least traditionally has, because it brings such benefits to civilization. Now, two men or two women coming together uh, don't do that. They they don't procreate and they're not perpetuating and stabilizing society. But a man and a woman coming together does that. Even couples that don't procreate are still illustrating to the rest of society what a procreative relationship is. And it also keeps the man off the street from impregnating single women and having out of wedlock births if he is involved in a marriage, even a sterile marriage. So there's benefits to bringing a man and a woman together, whether or not they procreate. But the same thing isn't true of bringing two men or two women together as again, as well intended as people are to want same sex marriage because they want their friends who identify that way to be, quote unquote, happy. That doesn't mean it's a good thing for them or a good thing for a society and so we we cover all that in the book correct not politically correct so but the the new section of it is really dealing with this transgender issue because literally we are mutilating children in the name of an ideology and we have to we have to we have to stand against that and that's what this book does 
Yeah, well, and you do such a good job, too, on your show and in the book, of course, talking about how it went from being recognized and being, you know... Um, you know, wanting other other people to uh, to acknowledge this this union or this relationship, mm-hmm. same sex, to not only having to celebrate it, to to then also participate in it. It's like yeah, the, it, yeah. it has evolved from just like see us, be okay with us, to uh, you know enjoy enjoy what we what we're doing and celebrate it. Oh, and now you have to actually participate in it. In yeah, some now way. you actually have and, to and, use our pronouns, and you have to. Bow your knee at the corporate uh, altar, whatever they say you have to do to keep your job. So now it's gone from tolerate to accept to, as you say, celebrate to now participate. And that's where you're crossing conscientious lines. In fact, I always ask people or I always uh, advise people, if you're ever in a situation at work where you think, man, this is going completely against my either my religious or moral beliefs. You need to go to HR and say, um, hey, uh, I have a I have a couple questions. Um, one question is, do you think it's right to try and force people to violate their consciences? And most people will say no, rightfully so. And then you can say, great. So then please don't try and force me to violate mine. Okay. I will treat everybody with respect regardless of what their religious or moral beliefs are, but don't try and get me to participate in other people's moral or religious beliefs. All right. Don't tell me that in order to work here, I have to have certain moral or religious beliefs outside of what everybody agrees on, that we ought to treat people with kindness. We ought to be respectful. Right. Those are we ought to tell the truth. These are moral values that everyone agrees on. But if you're going to try and force me to not only accept, but celebrate and participate to a certain extent in advancing uh, certain sexual practices that I think are against my moral and religious beliefs, you've crossed a line that you ought not cross. And by the way, if they come after you because you have pointed this out, you just need to call the Alliance Defending Freedom, ADF, because that's a group of Christian attorneys who will represent people who are being unfairly singled out and discriminated against Mm. because of their religious Mm. beliefs. So ADF has won several cases in the Supreme Court because the First Amendment to the United States Constitution and even the Civil Rights Act of 1964 prevents your employer or anybody or the government from certainly the government from trying to get you to. Uh, adhere to certain speech codes or to prevent you from expressing your religious beliefs or forcing you to advance beliefs you don't hold. So uh, we we have to start standing up, Chris, because if Christians don't stand up, this totalitarian impulse is just going to continue. And we're going to feel like yeah. we're living in the former Soviet Union. We have to whisper yeah. to people. You know, we, we can't yeah. tell people the truth. We have to tell people the truth for their own good, not just for ours. That's right. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I mean, we saw this this past June with uh, with different pro athletes for various organizations who who stood up and said, "No, I'm not. I'm not wearing yeah, this em- yeah. emblem uh, emblem on my jersey. I, yeah. I didn't sign up for this. Yeah. I'm here to play hockey or, right. or, or whatever. You know, that's right. It's it, it, it it's really uh, it, it is. It's forcing people to to take part in something that is absolutely not even 
wasn't even on a part of the conversation or in any any of the literature i'm sure on on these agreements and contracts from years back and we're going to add addendment addendums to things oh Uh, oh, by the way Mm -hmm. you know yeah you would never force uh, anybody on the team to wear a cross out on the ice or out in the field you know it's christian night everyone has to wear a cross you'd go no you don't have to or a, a, a star and crescent the muslim symbol no no Huh. Well, well, I'm telling you, secularism is a religion nowadays, right? The whole transgender, they got a flag, right? They got symbols. Yeah. These are, you know, they, they, they have this reverence for this, for these activities. It's, it's, it's very religion-like. It's cult-like. And you've got to be yeah. a part of it. And if you're not a part of it, we're yeah. going to come after you. In the name of inclusion, tolerance, and diversity, if you don't agree with us, we're not going to tolerate you. We're going to exclude you for holding a diverse view. Excuse me? I thought this was inclusion, tolerance, and diversity. What happened here? It, it makes you question if you're sane or not. So, some of the things well, that have happened in, 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 in recent months and years. It, well, it that's, really does. That's part of the problem, Chris, is that, yeah. look, look, there are people out in society now that have a platform that are not Christians that are standing up against this madness of actually mutilating children. Uh, one of them is Dave Rubin. We already talked about him. Another is Douglas Murray, who's who identifies as gay as well, but he's a conservative and he's pointing out this is madness. You're mutilating children. Bill Maher. You remember Bill Maher? Yes. I mean, course. many years ago, I didn't agree I was, with Bill. Yeah. I'd hardly I any more. Uh, yeah. <laughs> but but Bill now, was on his, I agree with everything he says. I know. I was, <laughs> I was I was on his program 20 years ago when it, it was politically uh, or politically incorrect. It was on ABC. Now, of course, he's on HBO with real time. And he had a he had a segment back in May of 2022 that you ought to go watch. You guys ought to look it up on YouTube. It's called Along for the Pride. And uh, basically, he's pointing out that the the more recent generations, Gen Z, millennials, they identify with LGBTQ at rates that are four or five times higher than, say, the baby boomers. And he shows this graph and it says, if this trend continues, we'll all be gay by 2060. And basically, (laughs) you know, his point was, is that this is social media driven, right? It's not like a whole bunch of people. It's not like there's 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 a genetic component to this or there's, you know, there's something that's new in the water. It's that this is all driven by social media, that people are identifying this way. And uh, with regard to the trans issue, he says, look, kids go through phases you know this as a kid. You know, you were in your Star Wars phase, your your Power Ranger phase, your, you know, uh, you, you thought you were I'm a still in, I'm phase. still in my superhero yeah. phase. <laughs> you know, <laughs> you go through phases as a kid. He said, look, if everybody yeah. knew what they wanted to be when they were eight, the world would be filled with cowboys and princesses. But it's not. Yeah. He said, when I was a kid, I wanted to be a pirate. Thank God nobody took me seriously and took me for eye removal and peg leg surgery. Right. <laughs> right. I mean, he's just right. pointing right. out the crazy. I mean, think about this. Chris, if your daughter came to you and said, Dad, I'm a mermaid, would you take her off the coast and drop her in the ocean? No, you'd say, dear, I'm sorry. You've, you've got, you've got some, your, your mind is playing tricks on you. Or the better analogy, the more medical analogy with Dr., which Dr. Paul McHugh from uh, John Hopkins University has pointed out. By the way, this is all in the book, correct? Not politically correct. Uh, he says that anorexia is almost a perfect parallel to gender dysphoria. Because uh, if you have a woman who is dangerously thin, but she thinks she's overweight, 
you would say to her, honey, uh, I'm sorry, you're not overweight, you're dangerously underweight, you need nutrition, your mind is playing tricks on you, let's get you nutrition and some psychiatry. You would never say, you know, you're right, you are overweight, let me schedule you for liposuction surgery, right? You would say, that would be madness. Well, why do we think it's the right thing to do to affirm the delusion that someone has when it comes to gender dysphoria rather than treat the mind, fix the mind with psychiatry, prayer, counseling, maybe certain medications? Why, why do we think the body's wrong? The body's not wrong. The mind is wrong, right? That's the problem. It's, it's, yeah. it's, a, it's a psychological mismatch between the mind and the body. And if you have a psychological mismatch between your mind and your body, you need to change your mind. You can't change your biology, right? I, I can't change anyone's 40 trillion cells. They are what they are, but you can change your mind. In fact, why should I think that I'm a man uh, but I'm a, or a woman trapped in a man's body? Why not think, if I have gender dysphoria, why not think I'm a man enveloping a woman's mind? If that were the case, I could just change my mind and fix the problem, right? I can change my mind. I can't change my, my biology. So why is the medical industry saying, oh, you got to change your biology? Cha-ching. You know why? Because they make millions of dollars doing this. In fact, nobody transitions completely. Those that try and transition, Chris, um, they have to stay on, on hormones their entire lives. Cha-ching. Correct. You know, cha-ching, uh, and 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 they never get there. They, they never go from man pray, to woman to woman. They to man. prey on these people. Yes, these people because they do have a mental issue going on, a mental disorder, if you will, and they're they're easy targets. They will they will gladly continue to invest in their you know their change that'll never happen, uh, and or deal with this. Uh, you know th these traumas and and never quite get the the help that they actually need which is in in other other types of professionals that will help your mind uh to to think and and do the right make the right decisions uh and or obviously seeking truth and wisdom from the bible uh which brings me to my next question is about the church and addressing these modern day cultural issues that we're seeing what if you were to give a grade frank maybe to some of the obviously you speak in a lot of churches but so those ones obviously are are trying to take that next step and and talk have conversations about some of this uh some of this that we're that we're talking about and dealing with and seeing uh what, what can the church do or what should churches that are being silent on this issue do well, they should speak the truth on this issue because people are getting hurt by not knowing the truth. And unfortunately, it seems like most pastors are silent. I mean, I know a few that aren't like Jack Hibbs or Gary Hamrick or Rob McCoy. Uh, I mean, there's a few that I know of that are speaking up on it. But most pastors, even megachurch pastors, are just quiet on it. And they think, oh, you know, I can't speak to this controversial issue. It's political. Mm -hmm. Excuse me? Gender's political? Who made it political? We didn't make it political, right? Gender is political? You don't know what a man or a woman is now? That's a political issue? We can't talk about it? First of all, I don't understand why Christians think they can't be involved politically. Are we supposed to just allow atheists to run the country? Where, did, where does that come from, right? 
We're not legislating religion. We are legislating morality, and that's what everybody's trying to do. Every law declares one behavior right and the opposite behavior wrong. So you can't not legislate morality. You can avoid legislating religion, right? Like, we're, I don't want to tell people where, when, how, or if to worship, or they have to be part of a certain church, or I don't, I don't want to tell them any of that from a legal perspective, but I do want to tell other people how to treat one another, and that's what everybody's doing. In fact, Here's a couple of quick ways to get people to realize the importance of politics. You always hear pastors saying, well, you know, I don't get involved politically. I just preach the gospel. Mm. And what I ask them then is, first of all, what is the gospel? Uh, is it just uh, just getting people saved? Is that it? Is that all you do? Is that the whole gospel? No. Uh, you're supposed to transform people into be disciples of Christ, right? But secondly, um, I say to them, if you think... Uh, the gospel is important, but you don't think politics are important, then you don't really think the gospel is all that important. Why? Because politics affects your ability to preach and live the gospel. If you don't think so, go to some of the countries I've been to. I've been to Iran, Saudi Arabia, China. Can we do even this podcast in those countries? No. Why? Because politically they've ruled it out. Can we have a church in those countries? Not a free church. Why? Because politically they've ruled it out. Can you... Uh, share your Christian faith in those countries. No, not legally. Why? Because politically they've ruled it out. See, we take for granted uh, uh, religious freedom here in this country. But it's, it's, it's going away because the church isn't speaking up. So if for no other reason you ought to be involved politically is because you know how important politics are to protect your ability to preach and live the gospel. Another thing you can ask people, I ask people this all the time. Uh, should Christians care how people are treated? Every Christian, whether they're conservative, liberal, in between, they all agree. Oh, yeah, we should care how people are treated. Next question. Should Christians care how people are treated by their government? Well, if we should care how people are treated, we should certainly care how people are treated by their government. Welcome to politics, ladies and gentlemen. You can't avoid it. It's part of the deal. And there are... There are examples throughout the scriptures of people getting involved in politics. In fact, Jesus himself did. Who were the politicians of his day? The Pharisees. They're on the Sanhedrin. They're the Jewish ruling council. Rome delegated much of the day-to-day legal authority to them. And Jesus goes after them. And he says, you're neglecting the weightier matters of the law. Aren't we doing that here in America? We're telling people what light bulbs they can and can't use, but we won't say, don't mutilate your children. We won't say don't murder your children. We'll say that's a right. We're neglecting the weightier matters of the law. And if Christians don't speak up for these young people, who Who are? Who's going to speak up? None of us. You know, we've got to speak up. We just can't stay on the sidelines and go, I'm just preaching the gospel. Yeah, no, you're first of all, you're not. You're preaching a, a small section of it. And secondly, your ability to continue to do that is going to be contingent on the laws that are made in Washington, your state and local governments. Yeah. It, it makes me think of how dangerous it is uh, that just being silent when all of this is, is around us. And, um, you know, if you see something, say something. That's simple adage, mm-hmm. right? If mm-hmm. you're, and, and that's kind of where we're at. Um, and, and we all have power. There's people listening who don't feel like they maybe have a big platform or anything. But your platform might just be your neighborhood. That's right. Your community. Your family. Where you work. Yeah. Yeah, your family. And and you have a lot of power to at least declare truth and speak, you know, in, in kindness and love, of course. But it, truthfully, talk with people, especially our younger people, about what what's real. 
and there's sh- it shouldn't be. I mean, there's there's so much. I feel for my kids right now. Luckily, I, I live in a great community. Uh, the school systems are not corrupted yet <laughs> down here in Florida. I feel so fortunate. It's like I'm in a bubble. Um, I'm, I'm you know, heavily involved in our baseball youth program, so I'm around these kids constantly. Um, and the, the, these kids are, I think they know what truth is, and they see this stuff for what it is. I'm talking about 11- and 12-year-old boys, and I think they can see... A lot of this is just idiotic and just lunacy. Some of the the stuff that's out there floating around, um, but they 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 need that confirmation from those they yeah, look they to, do. like their parents and their neighbors and their and pastors, their, and, yeah. and their pastors. Yeah, and um, it's it's incumbent upon upon us to take our family to church. You know, sometimes we don't feel like it on a Sunday. You know what though? If you got a good church. Drag your family to church, man, because that one hour of listening to biblical truth um, r- really sets you up for the, for the whole week, and it's good for the kids just to, to hear that stuff, to hear that messaging. Um, I'm just so grateful for my church locally for a, having a great pastor who speaks truth. It's all biblical. It's all scripture and great worship music, and I just can only hope that everyone listening has that because uh, I know how how much that matters to, to you, Frank, uh, and to me, and how much encouragement we get from that uh, on, a, on a weekly basis. By the way, Chris, one of the ways I know you just mentioned we got to declare truth. Um, in, in this culture, it can be difficult to do that without, you know, being canceled or shouted down or that kind of thing. I'm not guaranteeing this is going to work, but I think uh, one way to approach any of these controversial topics is instead of declaring certain things, asking certain things. So, for example, um, what Matt Walsh has done in his documentary, What is a Woman? Is he simply asked people that question. What is a woman? A woman. And the ideologues who are trying to advance the transgender movement are caught in a dilemma because if they say a woman is a biological female, then basically they're they're giving away what they want to get, what they want to say. They want to say, you know, anyone who, who just thinks she's a woman is a woman, right? So they don't say she's a biological female. Uh, but instead, they try and just avoid defining what a woman is. And the problem is, is on one hand, they're trying to say that a woman is whatever you think, anyone who thinks She's a woman or he's a woman. If, if a, a man can be a woman, if he just thinks he's a woman, right? But as mm. soon as you ask what is a woman, they can't define it. So on one hand, they want to say there are no fixed genders, right? They want to say that, um, you know, there's a hundred different genders or whatever they are. On the other hand, they unwittingly, Chris, have to admit there's only two genders. Why? Because if I'm a man, and I think I'm a woman. I have to have some idea what a man is and some idea what a woman is in order to know I have this mismatch between my psychology and my biology, right? If I didn't know what a man was or what a woman was, gender dysphoria would be impossible. Secondly, if I'm trying to make the so-called transition from being a man to being a woman, which is impossible biologically, but people try anyway. But if I try and do that, I, again, have to have some idea what a man is and some idea what a woman is in order to try and make that transition. If there are no fixed genders, transgenderism would be impossible because what am I transitioning from or to if there are no fixed genders? So the entire 
Ideology crumbles down by simply asking a question. What is a woman? What is a man? Right. And these these are questions that we intuitively would have been able to answer at five years old. Yes. And we are. And isn't it amazing that five years ago when Brett Kavanaugh was up before the Supreme Court, the left said you have to believe every woman. Right. Because they were accusing him of uh, some woman was accusing him of, oh, of yes. sexual Back advances in, in high school or, or something, yeah, or something yes, like that. Yeah. Right. OK. Totally invented. But now, four years later, when uh, Judge Brown came up to be confirmed, we went from believe every woman to what's a woman? Remember, they asked her, (laughs) what's a woman? And she said, well, I'm not a biologist. Well, look, I'm not a veterinarian, but I know what a dog is. Okay, (laughs) I mean, do you have to be a biologist to know what a woman is? In fact, in the in the Matt Walsh documentary. And by the way, this is in the book. Correct. Not politically correct. Much of what I'm saying here. In the Matt Walsh documentary, he interviews this this academic, this woman. Uh, I don't know what university she was. And he just said, hey, what is a woman? And she said, well, I wouldn't know. I'm not one. Now, for our listeners out here who've never had logic, it might not be obvious as to what's going on here. But those of you who have had logic can see the logical flaw in what she just said. Because yes, every right. negation implies an affirmation. In that's other words, right. if I say I'm not an elephant, I'm implying I know what an elephant is, and I'm implying I know what I am to know I'm not an elephant. So when she says I'm not a woman, she's implying she knows what a woman is, and she's implying she knows she's not a woman. Well, he just asked, what is a woman? And he, she, go, he go, she goes, how would I know I'm not one? Well, in order to say that, you'd have to know what a woman is, and you'd have to yeah. know what you are. Do you see the logical wow. problem with this? So yes. simply by asking questions... You can uncover the the illogic of all this. Now, I'm not saying this is going to work with these people because they actually reject reason. They reject logic. They think it's a form of oppression, and they're trying to use reason to say that. It's all self-defeating. Mm. But yeah. that's okay. You don't need to convince those people. You need to firm up the people that are have common sense, and you need to try and help the people in the middle who are confused. And if you ask the right questions and make the right comments related to those questions, then at least from a political perspective, you can solve this problem. And in a, in a, in a, even without politics, you, you want to try and show people who may be confused whether there's a political agenda or not. You want to make sure they make the right decisions personally and they don't go down this road where they try and change their biology. They can't, you can't do it. It's impossible. Well, the best teachers are the ones who ask the most questions, yep. and that would, of course, starts with Jesus. That's right. Um, he was he was terrific at it. That's right. And he got he got people to reflect and to think, and to question things, and 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 eventually, that's what makes the parables so great because there's so many layers to them. Depending on your life experience, you could read a parable at ten that at thirty or at fifty has much far different meaning to to it um uh, even though you understand it and uh, and and but the the questions um are really what make you look at the situation and have to speak on it intelligently and um you know the, the simpler the question 
<laughs> the easier the answer it should be. Like, is there a difference between a man and a woman? Like Senator Cruz was asking that woman, and that's in that very famous reel that's been out now for several weeks, and she just couldn't. He's like, it's a simple question. Can you just answer this simple question? Is there a difference? And she just, he's like, I, I just want a yes or a no here. <laughs> and she wouldn't do it. And, and it's just, it's almost, it's laughable, really. I mean, it's laughable how these people uh, approach these these questions. And, you know, um, this, this, this has implications uh, for showing people that God exists. Because if someone yeah. says, um, there's no evidence for gender, or I don't know what a man is, or I don't know what a woman is. I say to them, I can't help you with the God issue then. Because if you don't know, if you can't believe what's staring at you in the mirror, how can I help you believe there's an invisible being that created and sustains the world? You won't even believe what's before your eyes. You're never going to believe something that is not before your eyes. Yet there's evidence for it because this universe is in effect and God is the cause. This designed universe is the effect. This designed life is an effect. So there must be a designer. There's a moral law written on our hearts. That's an effect. So we're reasoning back to a cause, a moral law giver. You can see, you can, you can, uh, detect all these effects and reason back to a being like God. And yet these people saying, well, there's no evidence for God. And yet there's evidence for gender staring at them in the mirror and they're denying mm -hmm. that. Okay. Mm. Talk about deluded, yeah. right? Yeah. Don't tell me there's no evidence yeah. for God when when you can't even detect evidence for gender. It's right in front of you. Yeah. Yeah. I know. It's you never thought you'd see this day. You know, <laughs> I really I couldn't have even guessed uh, that we'd be discussing these matters. Um, it, it'd be like, really, that's a conversation in 2023? Well, yeah, apparently so. This, so this real frustration that I'm feeling uh, lately, and I'm sure you've felt, Frank, and, and so many of the people that you've spoken with and come into contact with, um, as Christians, speaking the truth in love in a culture that's so intolerant and seemingly uh, hate-filled, uh, how do we do it? How do we, how do we get around some and navigate this, these very murky waters that we're in, uh, in a loving way when it seems almost like you just, you, you can't, you can't get any kind of recognition from people well, that you're I think speaking again, the truth. I think the key is asking questions. Let's say your, uh, your daughter comes home and says, dad, I'm trans. Okay. What do you do? Right. Okay. Uh, first thing you don't do is you freak out. Don't freak out. Right. right. You're, no matter what, no matter what they come to you, if you freak out, they're never going to come back to you. Them. Yeah, yeah, you know, dad, gee, dad freaked out when I said that. I'm never going back to dad again, right? So if they come to you, say, "Mom, dad, I'm trans." First question, thank, uh, thank you for telling me. Why, why are you saying that? Okay, what, what do you mean you're trans? What does that even mean? You're trans, okay. Um, second question: When did you start feeling this way? Right. What was it that made you feel this way? Third question. Um, do feelings always tell you the truth? Because I can tell you my feelings often don't tell me the truth, right? I mean, I have all sorts of impulses and feelings to do certain things. And I know if I did those, if I followed those feelings, I'd be dead in short order. Or I'd certainly blow up any relationship I had right now, right? Okay. There's a lot of impulses and feelings we have that we ought not engage in. Uh 
Fourth question, do feelings ever change? Well, they have in your case, because a month ago you weren't trans. Now you're saying you are. So obviously your feelings have changed. Do you think your feelings might change again? You know what the research shows? That 80% of young people who have so-called gender dysphoria grow out of it by the time they're 18. 80%. Actually, the survey numbers range from 69% to 99%. We're given an average. In other words, most kids, when they grow up, go, yeah, that was a phase. All right? That's right. And by the way, it's a phase through social media because a decade or so ago, uh, true gender dysphoria affected one out of every 10,000 men who thought they were women. Now you have in some girls' schools, 30% of the girls claiming to be trans. How did we go from 1 in 10,000 men to 3,000 in 10,000 girls suddenly? Overnight, it's social media contagion, Chris. That's where it's coming from. It's all driven by social media. These kids, they're confused. They they don't feel, they feel odd uh, in their bodies, which you should when you're going through puberty. In fact, puberty is one big, long transition. It's normal to feel (laughs) odd, right? That's the point. It's normal to feel odd. But they think the way they're going to they're going to um, alleviate their anxiety is to claim you're trans. Now, now what, why might that do it? Well, first of all, you're going to get a lot of applause on social media for doing it. And anyone that says what you're doing is wrong is going to be shouted down. So uh, that's the fastest way to get approved in our culture is to claim you're trans. You're going to get applauded. And when you're a kid, you want to fit in. You want people to applaud you. Right. It's also a good way to stick it to mom and dad. Right. <laughs> You know, claim you're trans. So this is not something that is permanent. This is a temporary condition for most people. So always ask, should you follow your feelings? Always. Do your feelings that ever tell you the truth? Do they ever change? Or do they sometimes, do they always tell you the truth? Do they ever change? Of course they change. And all you might also ask, are you aware that 80% of people that have this as young people grow out of it by the time they're 18? I might also ask them, have you done any research in to, see, to see what happens to people who try to actually transition? Because I can guarantee you most of the time the answer is going to be no. They haven't investigated it. I have investigated it. And in the book, Correct Not Politically Correct, let me read you just one quote. This is from a lady that tried to become a man. She's now known as Scott Nugent. And she is actually in the uh, What is a Woman documentary that Matt Walsh put together. Here's what she said about her own situation. Listen to this, Chris. Mm. She said, during my own transition, I had seven surgeries. I also had a massive pulmonary embolism, a helicopter flight ride, an emergency ambulance ride, a stress-induced heart attack, sepsis, a 17-month recurring infection due to using the wrong skin during a failed operation to give her a penis, which was impossible. Um, uh, She says... Uh, let's see, 16 rounds of antibiotics, three weeks of daily IV antibiotics, the loss of all my hair, only partially successful arm reconstructive surgery, permanent lung and heart damage, a cut bladder, insomnia-induced hallucinations, oh, and frequent loss of consciousness due to pain from the hair on the inside of my urethra. All this led to a form of PTSD that made me a prisoner in my apartment for a year between me and my medical insurance company. Um, medical expenses exceeded $900,000. And then in another quote, she went on to say, I would never transition again, but it's too hard to try and go back now. She said, I basically destroyed the rest of my life by doing this. 
because it, it, it doesn't give you the relief you think you're going to get. It just doesn't. And you, you can't change your sex. In fact, she says this. I'll read you the quote. She says, I would not medically transition again. Metal trans- medical transition has given me permanent heart and lung damage, recurring bacterial infections for life, and a deformed arm. It cut my dating pool by 90% and took years off my lifespan. This decision has cut short the time my future grandkids will have me, if I have them at all, if I meet them at all. So for me, I'm past all the BS, she spells it out. I don't have time for it anymore. Medical transition is not for kids. It doesn't fix anything. And it's not life-saving. But convincing people it or but convincing people it is sure makes a lot of money for companies and doctors doesn't it a lot of this is about Mm. the money we're talking that if transgender identification continues its current exponential growth patterns more than 20 percent of the population will be trans in 20 years and that is a ton of money again a woman that tried to transition to becoming a man that quote is in the book correct not politically correct this is and by the way the people that have these surgeries 10 years after the surgery they have a suicide rate 19 times higher than the general public. 19 times. This is after the surgery. Tragically, this is not a solution. Whatever the problem is, this is not a solution. It confirms to me that what's behind this is is, is demonic and evil in nature. Uh, mm-hmm. the, the, the puppet masters pulling these strings and, and trying to force feed um, you know, our culture with this whole new ideology it, it's really it, it's tough to be loving when you are so so just against all of it what it stands for and what it's what it's putting out what it's promoting it's it's so but you have to i guess at the end of the day realize that people are people and naive and ignorant and all of these things and they are and and the people that are mentally i guess um I don't say I want to say make it sound harsh like mentally weak but mentally disturbed mm-hmm. and or easily uh easily persuaded are the ones that are succumbing to this. Yes. Um and and, and they don't they don't have the network and the community and God and all of these things to to lean into. The, the, these are people that are they're like the the weak you know the, the weak-minded and and the, these people that they're being preyed upon, and and these are the ones that are and tragically, are Chris, to all you of know, this. you know who's preying upon them more than any. Tragically, mm. is the Biden administration, because yeah. the Biden administration came out. I can show you the data on this. This is March thirty-first, twenty twenty-two. This is so-called Trans Visibility Day. The Biden administration came out in a. Uh, a a subgroup under HHS, Health and Human Services, came out and basically said, if you, you as a parent, if you don't affirm your child as young as three years old, if your three-year-old boy says he's a girl and you don't (laughs) affirm that with so-called gender affirming care, the government may come and take that child from you. Is that madness? The government's going to come and maybe pump your kid with cross-sex hormones, puberty blockers, surgery, because you don't agree that the child should not try and medically transition, which it's impossible to do. In fact, there's no, there's yeah. no known protocol for sex change operations. Why? Because it can't be done. All you're doing right. is you're mutilating one set of good sex organs to try and make them look like another. You, you can't do anything at the biological level. 
It's 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 just mutilation. And, and this is what evil is when you think about it. Evil mm-hmm. is anti-creation. God yeah. creates and evil is something that degrades that creation. And That's so correct. if you have a perfectly good, healthy body, say healthy sex organs, and you degrade them by mutilating them or chopping them off, that is what would be known as evil. And yet we're promoting this from the White House. This is madness. Yeah, it is madness. Well, I, I just I applaud your efforts in, um, in speaking so openly about this and candidly. And uh, obviously, there's a lot of other strong voices in this, um, in this fight and people that you've had on your show and will continue to have on your show. And uh, I think it's wonderful. As I said I, at the start, I've been such a fan of, uh, of Frank Turek's uh, podcast. I don't have enough faith to be an atheist. Uh, he's had it for years. Uh, it's just wonderful. It's a it's a radio show. It's it's. Uh, tell us a little bit more, Frank, about where people can find uh, your content. Besides, if they're not podcast listeners, but it, yeah. it's out there and other, uh, it's on the radio and in other places, and uh, so that they they know where to follow you. Well, if they go to crossexamined.org, crossexamined with a D on the end of it.org, they'll find uh, links to everything we do, including our YouTube channel, which has over 1,700 videos. Most of them are Q&A from the college campus. Mm. Uh, it'll have a link to our podcast, our TV show. It'll obviously have a blog. I mean, our, our speaking schedule, where we go and what we do. Uh, this I Don't Have Enough Faith to Be an Atheist podcast is also, as you say, a radio show. It's on 180 or so stations twice a week on the American Family Radio Network, and they have radio stations mostly in the south and then up the east coast uh, and uh, afa.net. But if they go to crossexamine.org, they can, they can see it there. And uh, the I Don't Have Enough Faith to Be an Atheist podcast, we actually have two of them. One is on the radio every week, and the other one that uh, comes on midweek is not on the radio. You have to go to I Don't Have Enough Faith to Be an Atheist podcast site to listen to it. So we have a yeah. radio podcast and a, a, um, a midweek podcast. Yeah, uh, it's it's all great stuff, and yeah, and, and the YouTube channel, which has grown, uh, it's really exploded over the last several years. Uh, there's so many great shorts and uh, long form videos on there for people uh, to see these people at you know on college campuses asking these questions. The Q and A parts are the are probably the most exciting uh, and interesting for people to uh, to check out. Uh, it's been wonderful, and and of course your book, the expanded third edition. Uh, correct, not politically correct, as we mentioned at the start. Uh, where is, is the best like place? Yeah, there it is right there um, <laughs> for all of the, uh, those people watching on YouTube. Uh, wh- where's the best place for them to go? And on, on well, Amazon or on your yeah, website? It, it's on Amazon, but Amazon ran out of them when it first came out. It came out in May, uh, and and so we had it, and we still have it at crossexamine.org. If you go there and click on store, you'll find it there as well. So any place you get books should have it now. They've, they, they got ahead of the, uh, the rush. I didn't really think the book would do very much because, you know, people think same-sex marriage is kind of a past issue and there's no reason talking about it. But this whole transgender issue, people do want to talk about. And especially when their kids are struggling with it, they want to have common sense answers without quoting Bible verses at the kid. Nothing wrong with quoting Bible verses, but... If you can make a case to your neighbor who's not a Christian to say this is just not good uh, for a person and it's certainly not good for a nation, uh, he may disagree with you about the Bible, but it's hard to disagree with natural law, design, common sense, and the implications or the outcomes of people that try and transition. It's not pretty. And you want to 
If you love people, you want to tell them the truth about this before they go down that road. Don't try and do this. It's not going to turn out how you think. That's right. Right. That's like a parent's love for their child. What That's they're right. trying to do is protect their children from the bad decisions that they've already made themselves. And that's all we're trying to do with uh, with this next generation uh, right now and certainly all these people suffering. Well, Frank, I, I so thank you for your time again for the fourth time on the podcast. Um, it's just wonderful to have you. Uh, and as I said, your your voice uh, is, is really so powerful and uh, so worth all of our listeners uh, checking you out. So thanks again. And um, listeners, uh, thank you, as always. Uh, great to have you. Thank you for finding the Strong by Design podcast, for coming back. And again, if this was the new episode for you, go back and binge listen to past episodes. We have over 300 here on the podcast, and we're not stopping anytime soon. Hit a, a five-star rating. Leave a review if you would. We greatly appreciate it. And we'll be back next week, as always, here. God bless you. Thank you so much for listening to the Strong by Design podcast. If you found value in today's episode, please subscribe so that more people can find out about our show. Plus, you don't want to miss any future episodes with the amazing guests and topics we have lined up for you.